Morning, church. All right. Once a year, they let me loose with a microphone for three hours. I'm kidding. All right. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this time that we get to spend together. Lord, I just pray that everyone hears you. I just got to be the faithful and obedient messenger. Lord, this morning is yours. We surrender it all to you, and we just pray this all in the name of all names in Jesus Christ. Amen. For those of you that don't know me, I am Paul. I get to serve as a deacon here at the church, but I am also as part of a state team for Celebrate Recovery and also a regional team for Celebrate Recovery Mental Health. That's that big yellow area that you see on the map. So let's see whether this will work. It will. So we're going to bounce around a lot, lot of places here. But the first thing I want you to do is I want you to make sure, I want you to hands up all of those that have got a pulse. Okay, that's five of you, that's good. Worried about the rest of you. So it just proves that our heart has a cycle, a cycle of pushing the blood around the body, right? Cars also have a cycle. You know, the, in the internal combustion engine has a cycle, suck, squeeze, bang, and blow, for those of you that don't know what that is. But C.S. Lewis also told us that, you know, cars were made to run on petrol or gas. We were made to run on him. Think about that. Now, we all live in a broken world. The world, too, has a cycle. That broken world is not news. You know, Paul talked about this in his own life, often. And you'll hear me talk about Paul a lot this morning. He's got a really cool name. That's all I'm going to go about that. So Paul said in Romans 7:18, For I know nothing, I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. That broken world has in some part caused us pain. And anybody who hasn't had pain probably needs to be up here more than I do. But that pain could have been a result from somebody else's poor choices. It could have been a result of our own poor choices or even simply down to mistakes. These wounds, these events rather, leave wounds. They leave lasting pain in our lives and they start to begin to shape the way we view ourselves the way we view our situations, and the way we view other people in our lives, as well as maybe even the way we relate to God. We come to internalize this faulty course belief based on those hurts. For example, if there was abuse or neglect in younger years, there may be the development of a belief that I'm not worth protecting, that God doesn't care about me, or maybe doesn't even exist. Or conversely, we may try all too hard to impress and please all of those around us, often to our own detriment. These hang-ups often work themselves out into coping mechanisms or habits that we use to defend ourselves, to protect ourselves, maybe even numb ourselves from that pain. Any number of these character defects, substance abuse, pornography use, anger, perfectionistic tendencies, performance-driven mentalities, or even withdrawing, relation, withdrawing from relationships in order to protect ourselves. Eventually, this cycle will work itself out 
in how we interact and relate with others and can cause more damage, more harmful events in our lives that branch out and start creating wounds and pain in others. Eventually, we'll either consciously or maybe even unconsciously carry out further events and you can see how that cycle continues. This is absolutely not to bring any shame. I cannot emphasize that enough. This is not to bring any shame, but to prayerfully bring clarity so that we can pursue healing and ultimately a closer relationship with Christ. It's a human thing, and understanding that this cycle is active in every one of our lives and in the lives of those around us. All of us are broken in some way. We may find ourselves living in ways that we know deep down are not necessarily great for us. Again, Paul sums this up. For I do not understand what I do. For what I do, I do not want to do. And and what I hate, I do. How often have you made decisions and you can't quite figure out why you've made that decision? Today, I want to bring us on a journey. I want to begin that journey, that journey that begins where we admit that those past pains, those past hurts, hang-ups, and habits have determined our decisions, that we may even be powerless to control that tendency to do the wrong thing, and that our lives may be even unmanageable or even out of control. But before we begin this journey, we've got to ask ourselves two key questions. Am I going to let my past failures prevent me from taking this journey? What are my fears of the future? Fear can be looked at in two ways. We can face everything and run, or we can face everything and rise. I know what my choice is now. Hebrews 12.1 is one of my favorite verses, and the, the, the Living Bible sums this up very well. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we throw off everything that hinders us and that sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. There are two things that I want to key in on this verse. Firstly, God has a particular race, a unique plan for each and every one of us, a plan that is not for bad, but a plan that is for good, a plan that is full of dependencies, not codependencies, a plan that is not full of insecurities, but securities, a plan that is not full of fears, addictions, or obsessions. The second thing that I want to bring into this is that we need to get rid of all unnecessary baggage. We all have it. Those past failures in our lives that keep us stuck. Again, it says, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, especially those sins that so tightly wrap themselves around our feet to trip us up. For many of us, oh, I missed the slide. For many of us, those past hurts and hang-ups keep us stuck. They keep us tripping up. Many of us are stuck in that bitterness 
of what somebody has done to us or said to us, yet we continue to hold on to that hurt. We refuse to forgive those situations. I know for me personally, I was taught to hold grudges. I can remember a family member telling me as a child, I can bear a grudge with the best of them. So holding grudges, holding resentments was my, was my normal. That was the old way of thinking. However, some of us have been hurt so deeply. Like I said earlier, perhaps there was abuse as a child. Perhaps there was a relationship where there was infidelity. Please know that I hurt for you and with you. I'm truly saddened that you've had to go through that hurt. But still holding on to that hurt and not willing to forgive holds us. It binds us. It allows that past to continue hurting us today, in the present, right now. This journey with God's power will allow us to find courage, strength, and forgiveness. Please don't hear what I'm not saying right now. Please don't hear that forgiving them is giving them a free pass. That is not what this is about. Freeing, or sorry, forgiving is freeing us, freeing us from the prison that we've put ourselves in. It's removing the control and the power that it has over us right now. Don't panic. Some will get that movie reference, by the way. There is no expectation of mass immediate forgiveness today. But as we travel this journey, we can, with God's help, find the willingness, the strength, the power to forgive and be free of that hold that that has on our lives. Like I said earlier, some of us may be bound by guilt. We keep beating ourselves up over past failures. We're stuck, we're trapped in that guilt. We might even be thinking that nowhere is, or no one is as bad as us. No one could really love the real me. No one could ever forgive the terrible things that I have done. That's some stinking thinking right there. Let's correct that right now. God can forgive. No, let me restate that. God has forgiven us. Christ went to the cross for our sins. He knows everything we've experienced, everything that we've done. Again, Paul, great name. <laughs> he had a lot to regret about his past. Philippians 3.13, and again, the Living Bible sums it up better. No, dear brothers, I am still not all I should be, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Meaning, we're no longer held hostage to that past. Here's a card, cold, hard truth this morning. If we want to be free from those, per those past hurts, hang-ups, and habits, we need to deal with them. We need to deal with that bitterness, those resentments, and those guilts once and for all. When we consider Isaiah 43, 18, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. 
That doesn't mean that we ignore the past. That doesn't mean that we, we put the past in a metaphorical box and put it on a shelf. It means that we learn from our past. We offer forgiveness, we make amends, and then we release it. Only then can we be free of those guilt, grudges, and grief. I'm not going to tell you that this is easy. I'm going to tell you that it's not complicated, but I will never tell you that this is easy. Let's face it, we have all stumbled over a hurt, a hang-up, or a habit. But the race isn't over. God isn't interested in how we started this race. He's interested in how we finish this race. We may worry about our future. We may be afraid of change. We all worry about things that we can't control. You know, as somebody who used to worry a lot, you know, if I didn't have something to worry about, I was worried. You know, there's some circular logic. But the, another one of those cold hard truth moments, we all know that worrying is actually a lack of trust in God. Ouch. I didn't mean to step on the toes right there. But another truth that we can say without doubt and fear is the Lord is my helper. I am not afraid of anything that mere man can do to me. Hebrews 13, 6. You may have been hurt and in that habit and in that hang-up for so long that it's become part of our identity. We might be thinking, what will happen if I really give this journey a chance? Will I change? If I give up those hurts, hang-ups, and habits, what will I become? Who will I be? We may have been mis misusing foods or substances or, or anything for years. Now we're afraid to do. Now we're afraid of what we will become without that substance of choice, without that crutch. There's also a possibility that we may have been enabling someone in a dysfunctional relationship for years. Perhaps we wonder, what if I change? What if my dysfunctional partner gets mad at me? God doesn't want us to stay frozen in unhealthy relationships or bad habits. He wants us to do our part in becoming healthy. Even if our past was extremely powerful, painful, however, we may still resist that opportunity to change, that opportunity to find freedom that can be found in embarking on this particular journey. Because of that fear of the unknown, because of our despair, we close our minds. Because that stinking thinking will lie to us and say, you don't deserve any better. Let me tell you personally, you do deserve better. 1 John 4.18, I don't have it on the slides, but I use the New Century version here. Where God's love is, there is no fear. Because God's perfect love drives out fear. Think about this. You're not here by mistake right now. This room contains many changed lives. This room contains miracles. For those of you who think that God is not in the miracle business, look around. I promise you, He's there. They are there. It is my prayer for each and every one that not to let these past failures or that fear of the future stop 
or prevent us from giving this journey a real try? Is there a truth that we're avoiding? Before we can make any progress in this journey, we have to face those truths, remove those barriers, drop those strongholds, and that way our journey can really begin. Or maybe even begin again. It doesn't matter whether you're new to this type of journey or whether you've been journeying for years. This is for all of us. A few weeks ago, actually I think it's months ago now, when Jay talked about looking at a map. If we have the wrong map or we're looking at the map wrongly, are we going to get where we need to be? The same can be said for our lives. You know, I'm going to say a couple of statements here that, that might hit home, and apologies if I'm stepping on toes again. A false sense of, sorry, a false or incorrect system of beliefs not based on reality or a self-protecting behavior that keeps us from honestly facing the truth. One or both of these statements will potentially send us in the wrong direction. When we were younger, we learned various coping skills that we talked about earlier, the habits. They might have come in handy when we needed that attention from the parents or others. They may have even come in useful for when we wanted to block the pain or avoid others. For a time, those coping skills, they worked. But as the years progressed, they muddied and clouded our view of the truth in our lives. As we grew, our perception of ourselves and expectations of others around us also grew. But often, as we retained those childlike coping mechanisms, that perception of reality became more and more increasingly distorted and unrealistic. And because of this distortion, most of our relationships ended a whole lot less fulfilling than they should have been. Again, I'm not trying to step on toes, or meddling, is, as Jay would put it. But have we ever seen, have we ever said something like our parents never had problems? Have we ever said that we didn't have problems? The truth is we can all say yes to these to some extent or another. But for some of us, that line of thought has turned into shame and guilt. Those are two totally different things, a discussion for another day. There is often one, maybe more than one subject that no one in a family will talk about or acknowledge in any way. Do any of these comments sound familiar? Can we stop talking about it? Talking about it only makes it worse. If we don't talk about it, it'll go away. Let's pretend that didn't happen. It's one of my personal favorites. They do far worse than I do. I eat because you make me mad. If you didn't, make, if you didn't nag all the time, I wouldn't fill in the blank. These comments are an indication or illustration that we might not be facing the truth. Jeremiah 6.14 tells us that you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. You can't. And if we don't believe the words in Jeremiah 6.14, 6, 
it can disable our feelings. And by hiding our feelings, we live in that substitute reality where we freeze our emotions and we find ourselves emotionally bound. Remember those chains that we talked about earlier? Understanding and feeling our feelings is where we find freedom. Taking a personal note here, some of you have heard my story. Some of you know that I was a past master at stuffing my feelings, at not facing my feelings, at avoiding my feelings. I would compartmentalize, which in other words is putting that in a box and putting it in that symbolic shelf. It's not a good way to go. Second Peter tells us, they promised them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. The basic test of freedom is not what I'm free to do, but what I'm free not to do. With God's help, with God's help, I'm free not to get angry at that driver that cuts me off. Ouch. I'm free not to click that link while I'm on the internet. I'm free not to need that drink. I'm free. I can find freedom when I feel those true feelings. When we let Christ and find Christ and step out of that false sense of reality. All of this, unfortunately, makes us energy lost. Because a side effect of all of this is anxiety. Anxiety that causes us to waste precious time and energy dealing with those past hurts and those past failures and that fear of the future. For me, I spent so long trying to make sure that that symbolic shelf was not going to come crashing down. As we continue this journey, we will learn that only in the present that positive change can occur. Worrying about the past, dreading the future, keeps us stuck. It makes us unable to live and enjoy God's plans for us right now. Remember, we cannot push water back up under a bridge. We often let those fears and those worries paralyze us. But the only way that we can give, that we can truly let go or let this happen is by handing it over to God. My clicker has decided to quit. Next slide. There it goes. You know, God tells us in Psalm 146, and again, I'm using the, the, the Living Bible here because it just, just speaks a little bit better to this. He frees prisoners. He lifts the burdens of those bent down there beneath their loads. You know, as putting this stuff together these past couple of weeks, this verse hits home. By transferring that energy from required that I was maintaining that symbolic shelf, and now transferring that energy to learn God's truth, a healthy love for others will occur. A healthy love for ourselves will occur. As we look more and more to Christ, we will see the light of truth and real reality. All of these disabled feelings and energy lost adds up 
to negated growth or no growth. I don't know about you, but I want to grow more and more into God and into Christ and in my vertical relationship every single day. I want that growth every single day. But we cannot grow that vertical relationship until we're ready to set aside that false sense of reality and fully step into His truth. His truth. God is waiting to take our hand. We've all seen that image of God reaching down through the water. You know, Peter-like faith, you know, reaching out. And the Bible says in Psalm 107, they cried out to the Lord in their troubles. He rescued them. He led them from darkness, from the shadow of death, and snapped their chains. As we travel this journey, we'll come to understand that God never wastes those hurts. He never wastes those darknesses, but he can't use them unless we're willing to step out of that darkness into that light and into that light of his truth. Some people have heard that phrase, we're only as sick as our secrets. That's an ouch right there. That darkness also isolates us from God. Genesis 3 is a perfect example of being isolated from God. Adam and Eve are the greatest example of feeling isolated from God. After they sinned, you know, in Genesis 3, 7, it tells us that they hid from God. I hid from God for 30 years because they felt naked and ashamed. You know, and of course, Adam tried to rationalize with God. Who's tried to rationalize with God? You know, first, he says in, in Genesis 3.12, he tried to blame God. The woman you put here with me. Then he tried to blame it on Eve. She gave me the fruit. I don't know what the equivalent was for a bus back then, but I think they were just truly thrown under the bus right there. Remember, God's light shines on truth. Always shines on truth. Sadly, it's our own stubbornness that keeps us in the dark. 1 John 1, 5 through 7, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie. We do not live by truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from some of the sins. That's not what it says. It says all sins. What a verse of comfort and relief that is, especially in my life. We also consider that isolation from God can also alienate us from our deep and intimate relationships. The surface level circumstances tells us that we may be getting away with it. We think no one knows. Sadly, they do. But while we may feel shielded from this hurt, it also keeps us from helping ourselves. It also keeps us from potentially helping those that we love the most. We don't dare reveal our true selves for fear of what they may think. 
what they may say if they really knew the real us. We must protect ourselves, our secrets at any cost. So we isolate ourselves, therefore and thereby minimizing that risk of exposure and even possible rejection from others. But at what price? The eventual loss of all of our important relationships? What's the answer? Ephesians 4.25 tells us, stop lying to each other, tell the truth, for we are parts of each other. When we lie to each other, we're only hurting ourselves. That again is the living Bible. Each other is mentioned over 50 times in the New Testament alone. Remember, it's better to tell an ugly truth than a beautiful lie. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm bordering on sort of toe stamping and meddling here, and that's not my intent. So if we're here white-knuckling and holding on to all of the above, what are we doing? We're gritting our teeth and holding on, and we're lengthening the pain. That false sense of belief that protects us from pain, when in reality, that false sense of pain is allowing our pain to fester and to grow into shame and into guilt. That false sense of belief, belief sorry, extends our hurt. It multiplies our problems. You know, some of you have heard the statement, time heals all wounds. Does it? That was another ouch moment. Truth, like surgery, can hurt for a while. God promises that I will give back your health again and heal your wounds. Jeremiah 30, 17. So here's the question. Are we holding on to that cycle of unhealth? Are we white-knuckling that cycle of unhealth? Are we refusing to let go? Are we stubbornly grasping to that cycle of unhealth? I don't know about you, and I don't think any of us want our feelings to be disabled. I don't think any of us want to see our energy lost. And I certainly don't think anyone wants to see negated or no growth. I most certainly don't want to feel isolation from God. And I want to have the best possible relationships possible. I don't want to be alienated from those relationships. And I don't know about anybody else, but I don't think anybody in this room wants lengthened pain. Pain can often be described as power always in new learning. So I encourage you to step out of denial. Yes, the eagle-eyed above, out there will know that that is the word denial. Walking out that denial is definitely not easy. But again, I will state, this is not complicated. You know, everything about this right now says, don't do it. Please don't make me do it. But rest assured, 
God's hands are safe. Celebrate recovery on Tuesday nights is safe. Here in this church and at Celebrate Recovery, we have people that care, that love for who you are. The tribal greeting, Sabono, means I see you. I see you. How often do we crave as human beings to simply be seen, to be seen, to be accepted, and to be understood? That is what happens when we truly know the truth, when we let ourselves go on this journey. We see the truth because people will stand beside us as the truth becomes that way of life Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Can you step out of that denial into Christ's unconditional love and begin this journey together? What do you have to lose? Well, the biggest thing is that cycle of unhealth. That's the biggest thing we can lose. I don't want to live in a cycle of unhealth. So what do we have to gain? A cycle of health. I want those healthy connections. I want those healthy habits. I want to be able to embrace all those truths. So I pose the question, does the word denial mean anything different to you today? A great tool for combating denial is the serenity prayer. Would you humbly stand with me and let's recite the serenity prayer together? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did. Oops, sorry, it's my fault. Sorry. Accepting hardships as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is. I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, we thank you for all you are, all you've done, and all you will do. Lord, you are the key, the key that unlocks that door that we need to open. Lord, I pray for hearts to be, to be opened, for minds to be opened, God, I know that there's some struggling people right here, right now. And Lord, I pray for each and every one that they may find the power, the strength, and all they find in you. You are the beginning and the end. You are the alpha and the omega. God, we surrender ourselves to you. 
Lord, help us step out of that denial into your light, your truth. Lord, help us step into your victorious right hand. Lord, we are so grateful for everything that you are, everything you will do. Lord, we are so, so grateful that you will welcome us with open arms like a prodigal son, prodigal daughter. As the song said tonight, we can come as we are. We don't need to have any kind of errors, graces, or cleanups. Lord, we heard in the song tonight that we have a new name. We are a child of love, your love, your unconditional, uncompromising love. Lord, you are everything. Lord, we surrender this to you. And Lord, we just need the encouragement, the empowerment, and the strength to become together as one body, your body. Lord, it doesn't matter what role we play. Lord, this is you. The glory is all yours. And we surrender this all in the name of Christ. And all people said, amen. Let's be seated. I leave you with these two questions. Has that word of denial changed your thinking of your relationship with Christ? And as we often ask here from this position, what does that make you want to do?